Are you spiritually well? Not do you, you know, have a belief system that aligns with Christianity, but are you spiritually well? Like having a faith and living by faith are two different worlds. And God's taking us to a deeper place of understanding what it is, not just to have a faith, but to truly live by faith. And so in this season, we're coming into this sense of just purposing a spiritual wellness check. And so I want to just ask you for just a moment before we dismiss from this place, I I want you just to close your eyes, open your hearts. Some of you may just need to lift your hands to receive what God's wanting to download in you right now. Maybe as you say, I'm not spiritually well. I'm not where I need to be in this moment. Would you just respond to him? Are you spiritually well? Are you paying attention to the voice of the Lord? Are you walking in the presence of God? Jesus didn't die so we could show up to church and sing songs and preach sermons. He died so we could become the Holy Spirit-empowered church. Spiritually well. Lord, would you help us in a spiritual wellness check in this season as a family to grow into a deeper revelation of Christ and a greater understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God in the earth. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Help us, Lord, in the continuation of our time together to truly pay attention to what you are desiring to reveal. I just surrender, Lord, my heart, my thoughts to be able to speak and communicate maybe a greater awareness of impartation than even information. Just let that be the tone of all of our hearts and lives, that we would pay attention to our Father God in these moments as you draw our attention and our affection toward you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, I want to just quietly be seated right where you are. As we just start to press into a greater understanding of what it is to be in a place of spiritual wellness. We're going to take a season of time to do a sense of spiritual inventory, kind of evaluating and recognizing um, some of the things that, uh, the thought patterns and the ideas, the determinations, the conclusions We're all coming at this from our predetermined conclusions that we have formulated over the course of time. Different people from different generations in the room come from different conclusions about the decisions that we're making. Our experience with God, you do understand, largely is determined by the experiences you've had in your life. 
And this is, this is like dangerous territory almost to start discussing this because we're going to really dig deep start to figure out maybe some of why there are things that are going on within us that maybe we've not even really understood. But my, my question today as we get into this, it's a very important question. Do you see God? Do you tend to see God? It's not an either or, there's a scale. You know, we're on a scale. Do you tend to, t- to see God more as an angry master or a loving father? And somewhere on the scale, you would land. Different people, different places. You see, an angry master who's ready to punish you for all the mistakes you've made. Can I just ask how many of you in this room have made mistakes? Just go ahead, let's just see. Made mistakes. We've made so many mistakes. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? I'm so thankful for the grace of God. If he were an angry master, none of us would be alive. But he's a loving father. Jesus didn't die on the cross so God could be your master. Jesus died on the cross so God could be your father. Understanding him as your father is foundational to spiritual wellness. Now, there's this incredible battle between two streams. And it's interesting. It goes back further than this. But today, I'm only going to go back to Abraham. And, and then we're going to look at it uh, in weeks ahead. We're going to be camping on this idea for a season of time. But if you go back and look at Abraham, you know, you've got Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael was born out of uh, impatience. Ishmael was born out of disobedience. There are just all kinds of uh, ideas surrounding this, this son of Ishmael with uh, an Egyptian uh, mother who was a handmaid to the wife. And, you know, I mean, all of this was just so... Uh, so bizarre when you really start to evaluate what's taking place. But you've got the spirit of Ishmael or the heart of an orphan and the spirit of Isaac or the heart of a son. You've got these two streams fighting each other. And I suspect most of us in the room think more like orphans than we do like sons. I was really kind of blown away. I I heard a a pastor not too long ago speaking about this, and he said, man, I have a church of 3,000 people, and I came to the realization that we're more of an orphanage than we are a family. So I don't have 3,000 sons and daughters of God. I have 3,000 orphans who've not been redeemed in their thinking. It's really challenging me. I just believe God wants to take us into a deeper reality because so many of us as Christians, particularly in the Western world, we have this mindset and this ideology that aligns with an Ishmael orphan heart way of thinking when God is calling us to an Isaac son way of thinking. Sons and daughters of God rise up today in Jesus' mighty name. I'm talking to you about the orphan spirit. That's the title today. You can get your live notes or hit the blog or grab the handout if you'd like. 
but the orphan spirit. And two weeks ago on, on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. It was beautiful. It was great. And I spoke in this particular verse, because he lives. And it was the theme, you know, the, uh, we, we sang the hymn, and, and it was beautiful and wonderful. Because he lives, we live. And this is found in the book of John, but that phrase and that declaration is sandwiched between two vitally important pieces of information. Aren't you glad he lives and you live? Like, I'm so thankful for the life of Christ that took me from craziness out of my lost nutty self into a place of being saved nutty self that I am. Some of you can relate. John chapter 14, verses 18 to 21. I will not leave you as orphans. This is pretty important to Jesus. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but let's get the context here. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. The one who loves me will what? Be loved by my Father. Now, this is very significant. What Jesus did in redeeming our lives is to not leave us as orphans. How many of you know without Jesus, according to Jesus, we were once orphans? And orphans then became adopted sons and daughters of God. And what I'm learning more and more is that those who walk through the process of adoption, whatever the reason, because of abandonment or whatever the circumstances are, it's difficult for them to make the jump out of an orphan mindset into a son and daughter mindset. And you and I have to understand and, re and, and recognize this. It's a deep sense of rejection. It's a deep sense of, of insecurity. It's a deep sense of, I don't have the confidence of an inheritance that's before me. I've got to strive for everything I can hopefully get and gain. I've got to hold on to anything that comes by. I am searching for validation. Any type of, of accomplishment I ever make, I need to share that with everybody so I feel validated because I have never as a son learned to be validated by the Father's love. It's the orphan mindset. I will not leave you as orphans. But I will come to you, and before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. So much here. Because I live, you also will live. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So let's evaluate this a little bit beyond uh, Adam and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sarah and Abraham back to Adam and Eve, and it even goes before that. And over the course of a few weeks, we want to sculpt this and get a clear understanding of what's taking place. But Adam and Eve are experiencing deep fellowship with God in the garden. How many of you know God has always been like Jesus, but until Jesus showed up, we didn't know God was like Jesus? Right? I mean, we, we get the picture of what took place. I'm, I'm so thankful Jesus came and, and, and cleared up so much in the reality of our understanding of who God truly is as he walked among us as, as a human yet God. And so we can identify. And Jesus constantly is trying to point us to understand God as who? Father. Our Father. He said, when you pray, what do you say? Our 
father. He was constantly pointing people. You understand, this was not an Old Testament paradigm, and it flew in the face and actually ruffled the feathers of the religious order of the day. How dare you call him Abba, Father, this endearing term, as if God were your father. I want you to understand, Adam and Eve originally walked with Father God as their heavenly father in deep fellowship with Father God. And when Adam and Eve sinned against Father God, there was a break in that relationship and that rapport, and they went from sons to orphans in their way of thinking. And that orphan mindset has done untold damage to the generations after us and has caused people to search a deep sense of a vacuum that exists within them, causes them to, to try and find what it is that's going to fulfill that in their heart and in their life, and and you cannot find that fulfillment until you meet once again Father God and Jesus came that we would not think as orphans, but he would redeem and restore us in that relationship with our Father. You can know God as your teacher, your strong tower, your rock, your hope. You can know God of all these things, but he is not an impersonal force to help you out. He is your father. Until you know him as your father, you will have a skewed and disoriented perspective of who God truly is. He didn't hire you to work for him. He adopted you into his family. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. The perfect love of the Father in the life of an orphan will bring healing and restoration on the deepest level of life. John Piper said, sin is what we do in our heart when we are not satisfied with God. I believe that to be true. Again, Adam and Eve walking in deep fellowship with Father God, sinned against God, disconnected. The first thing they experienced was fear, insecurity, running from God. The, the Father God that they had deep fellowship with, suddenly they're afraid of. He went from loving father to angry master in the orphanage, in the orphan's mindset. You see what's taking place. And this, this incredible sense of emptiness exists within humanity until we understand, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not Want. I live in this constant state of want until I recognize he is my father who is shepherding my soul to make me well again, that I would be spiritually well. When I find fulfillment in God my father who shepherds my soul, I'll finally stop striving from a place of want trying to fill the void that only he can fill. How many believe that there are some issues going on in your life that are deeper than maybe what you have realized? I mean, this is pretty wild, but this really sets a framework for it, statements that we've made before and talked about before. Maybe this would give a little clearer understanding. Nobody in this room has a sin problem. We don't have a sin problem. We have a worship problem. 
Because you were created to be fascinated. And that which fascinates you will always dominate you. And until you allow your Father God to dominate you, to release dominion within you, then, then you will not understand what it is to be dominated well or correctly. You don't have a sin problem. You have a worship problem. Something has captivated your attention and drawn your affection. You've given yourself to it because there's an orphan mindset within you that leaves this vacancy that simply will never be fulfilled. So, so you chase it even further. You pursue it even harder. You enlarge that path even more so. You find yourself going down this path, broadening that path more and more, doing things you would have never imagined yourself doing when you first started down that path. But because nothing in you is being fulfilled, you have to chase it even more. And God is saying, enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Holy Spirit, would you just do a deep work within us today? I pray that you would allow, that you would uh, empower us, illuminate something within us that would cause us to allow you to reach into the deep recesses of our soul. Places maybe we did not even realize existed because the enemy has dominated those places in such a stealth mode. But shine the light of your word within all of our hearts and lives. Take us, Lord, from an orphan mindset to an understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God. Amen. God's doing something really unique right now. <laughs> How many think we have opened a can of worms and all heaven is breaking loose? So I recently got in Faith's car, our, our oldest daughter, and uh, I was driving down the road, and, and as I was driving down the road, I know I'm going to have to use her clicker, and so I start searching for her clicker, which in her car, uh, there is no telling where you might find the clicker. And um, so I, I open up the console, and when I opened the console, I saw this, this, this little picture of, of, this was a note, and that note says, I love you. And when I saw that note, I'm driving, mind you. I, I glanced down to see the note, and I'm thinking now, who, who, who is telling my daughter? I, who wrote my daughter a note saying, I love you? And I'm, I'm holding it up. I'm still driving, trying to keep my eyes on the road. And I look, and if you'll see on the bottom of it, it says, Grandma Darla. <laughs> so Grandma Darla is online uh, with us this morning. She sent me a message that she's uh, watching. She's recently had a knee procedure. My dad had a back procedure. They're going to be bionic by the time this is all over, but they're doing really well. Uh, but Grandma Darla wrote her, and I love you know, and, I, and I, it warmed my heart. You know, I was driving down the road, and I was thinking, what kind of atmosphere have our children, Tracy and I, with our two girls, Faith and Lexi, sitting right here, loving Jesus, serving the church, you know, I mean, what kind of atmosphere have they grown up in? And I started thanking God for that. And then I realized, interestingly enough, I got my, uh, this old Bible out this morning 
because I actually realize, you know, I, we are big on get in the word of God, people. <laughs> Let me know your father wants to have communion with you. So what you do is you get an old-fashioned Bible, and you start in the book of Genesis. And every day you turn the page, and you write the date at the top of the page, and you put little things in there like birthdays, anniversaries, child first steps. You've heard me say this over and over and over and over. And ultimately, when you finish, you have this heirloom. Let me just share with you this particular heirloom because today, Today's date, let's see, Isaiah, uh, today's date is April the 18th, 2021, right? April the 18th, 2021, exactly 20 years to the day, April the 18th, 2001, written in my Bible where Faith took her first steps as a little girl. And I just thought, well, isn't that interesting? Like, I mean, she's, she's going to, like, one day, not soon, but one day she's going to have her own children. Take your time, honey. <laughs> and when she does, like, this heirloom will likely be in her possession. And her children, one day, will see, there's where my mom took her first, that's the date, like this is that day, this is the 20 year anniversary, does anybody else, like that's, that's important to me. But it's more important to us than it is to you because this has become a cherished heirloom in our lives as a result of what I'm, and, and I, I'm just thinking, what kind of atmosphere, let's just focus on faith for a moment, what kind of atmosphere did she grow up in where her dad would journal the date of her first steps? Now, I want to contrast this particular story with another story. And it's not about a little girl, but it's about a little boy. And this little boy, uh, his mom had him, and then she married, uh, uh, she went through the process, divorce, and, and married another man. And marrying another man had two other children. So this boy, you know, aged about eight or nine, he's got two very little uh, brother and sister. And so here he is, you know, just a child playing out in the front yard. So he, the dad, he, he never met his father. The dad he knows is his stepdad. And, uh, and he's outside playing and he, he, he struggles with some things because he's kind of like not part of the family in, in, you know, in his mind. And, and he looked up one day, he was a little boy outside playing, and he sees this older man standing on the porch. It happens to be his stepdad's father. So in essence, this is his grandfather by his stepdad watching this little boy out in the yard play. And something in the boy's heart sees this adult noticing him, paying attention to him. How many know the orphan mindset really likes it when somebody pays attention to him? And so he notices this older man uh, seeing him, and the older man walks out in the yard, walks up to the boy, and he looks him right in the eye, and he says, you are not one of us, and you will never be one of us. And he turned around and walked off. What do you think happened in the soul of a maybe eight-year-old child who already was struggling to hear those words? I mean, I heard the story and I just began to reflect. What, what would he do? Continue to play? 
Devastation in his soul, chaos deep within his existence. Child not knowing how to manage any of this. At some point he had to stop playing and come back in the house and see the man and face the family and know I'm not one of them. And he carried no telling what all kinds of continued conversations, much like what I'm describing until he was 16 years old and he was old enough to drive and his stepdad came to him and he said, get in your car and drive away and never come back and I'll give you money. What kind of deep emotional pain do you think this boy was suffering? I'm going to say to you, a father wound can cripple a person's life if they are not healed. A father wound can cripple a person's life if they are not healed. Many of you are weeping tears in this room right now. Maybe because you're identifying with your own father wound. A father wound can cripple a person's life unless they're healed. Is it possible for this little boy to grow up in this painfully dysfunctional context day after day after day and one day have a family that begins to flourish. Is this possible? The Bible actually says in Psalm 68, God is a father to the fatherless. I want this verse to resound as loud in the spirit realm as I can possibly allow it to resound for you. God is a father to the fatherless. No matter what your father wound may be, no matter what state of orphan you are in, Jesus came that he would not leave you as an orphan, but would redeem you as a son and daughter. Is it possible for this boy? Do you believe? Do you have faith to believe? Is it possible for this boy to grow up in this painfully dysfunctional context and one day flourish? Well, the reason that I wanted to contrast the story of this little girl and that little boy is because this little girl is my daughter and that little boy is my dad. Faith's grandfather. And here he is helping us celebrate our arrival not long after she was born. I'd like to show you the picture of him on his birthday from a few years ago. He'll be very mad. He's online too. Love you, Dad. He'll be very mad that I put this up. But here he was, birthday pre-COVID, and uh, we took him uh, in a skydiving simulator. Here he is in his, in his skydiving suit. It's beautiful. Look at that guy. Now, I just want you to just look at him. Right in the middle there with his little red stripe coming. Isn't he cute? It's awesome. You have, I'm just going to tell you right now, you have not lived life until you have seen Larry Neeson in a skydive simulator floating up in the air. It is amazing. Here's the thing that I want to make sure we understand. I don't want to present this to you 
as a happily ever after story. It was so bad, and now it's so good. Anybody else weary of those types of testimonies in church? I, I mean, we bring God's presence to real life. Let's make sure we're being real. How I many you know redemption is messy? The history that you have does not have to define who you are. The destiny God has given you can begin to define who you are. But let's make sure we understand it is a messy process of getting from there to here and from here to there where he's trying to take us all. So I don't want to just paint this glorious picture as if there hadn't been any pain or problem or process because there have been pain and problem and process. I'll tell you right now, Chris, and I, let, me, let me just make sure everybody understands something. Chris Neeson is not my son. You better stop. I cannot tell you how many people come up to me and say, oh, your son, he's just doing such an amazing, I say, shut up. <laughs> he is my brother. Sheesh. I am not Riker's grandpa. I'm his uncle. So I, I went off to college, and my mom and dad said, we're not ready for the empty nest. We're going to start over. And I was just like, well, y'all crazy, but I'm gone, so go ahead. And so literally, uh, he and I have almost two decades between us, but I'm not his daddy, okay? And so he grew up with an entirely different dad than I grew up with. Even though he was the same man, he wasn't. Because when I went off to college, I gave my life to Jesus. My mom was believing for household salvation. My dad, let me tell you, he was stubborn. Well, it took us a long time to cast the man out of those demons, I'll tell you. But thank God he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And like, it was different. Watching him raise my brother, I remember I was just, I was in, like, I believe in God, really believe in God after seeing that. I just want to say, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask or imagine. I don't know what the father wound may be, but God is big enough to heal it and restore you and not leave you as an orphan. Somewhere somebody has to break the cycle. You know what the problem with earthly parents are? They had earthly parents. I said to our girls for years, I'm just trying to lessen the dysfunction that I'm going to give you. And I'm not kidding. Like, I'm a piece of work. I'm a mess. There are issues. But God is so faithful that when we start to put into practice patterns that come from being sons and daughters learning to live in the presence of God. He doesn't leave us as orphans, but he activates something within us as sons and daughters of God. Somewhere someone has to break the cycle of the orphan spirit that perpetuates chaos and pain generation after generation after generation. Somebody has to say, enough. I'm really happy to tell you we have broken the cycle in our family. 
I am really happy to tell you, the curse has been reversed into a blessing. Why don't you just celebrate it over your own life right now, just as we agree. Let the curse be reversed into a blessing. Let the sons and daughters of God rise up in who they are. Come on, let's give Jesus a standing ovation. Let's just stand to our feet. Let's just honor this King of kings and this Lord of lords. We lift up the name of Jesus. We honor the name of Jesus, our King of all kings, our Lord of all lords, ultimately our heavenly Father. Lord, you are not just our Redeemer. You are not just our rock. You are not just our strength. You are our Father. You are redeeming us from an orphan mindset. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You're in this room having a conversation with each and every one of us right now. We're not like a bunch of orphans that have shown up in a room just needing to hear a religious message. We're sons and daughters of God who are in tune with the voice of our Heavenly Father. In the midst of the worship, there are transactions taking place in each individual heart. In the midst of conversation and breaking bread in the Word, there are multiple interactions taking place by the power of the Holy Spirit between sons and daughters and Father. If, if, if you know Jesus... I want to give you an assignment this week. But before I even commission you to action, I want to ask you, will you join with me in surrendering our hearts to this risen King Jesus? Some people in this room, some people online, maybe you've never made that decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. I have a pretty deep conviction that we make sure we give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus because eternity is a very long time. It's a very important decision. Like, I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm asking you to accept Christ and the work he did on the cross. I'm not asking you to figure God out. You won't. I'm not asking you to logically wrestle something down. I'm simply asking if you sense the orphan heart aching within you that longs for a relationship with the Father who will redeem you and restore you through his son Jesus Christ, will you respond to him today? All of us have grown in this. Maybe if you've come to know Christ already to some degree or another, no matter how far you've grown, how many know there's more to grow, further to go? The eternal love of God. So if you're willing to surrender to the cross of Christ and acknowledge Jesus is who he is, whether you're online, whether you're in this room, I want you just to put your hands in this posture of surrender, just surrendering to him. I surrender all that I am. I surrender the striving that's been taking place in my life. I surrender the pursuit of feeling validated. I surrender to the love of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You were buried in a grave. But you didn't stay there because death could not hold the sinless Savior.
who gave his life a ransom for all of humanity. You came up out of that grave. You're risen from the dead. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working to activate things deep within us beyond our wildest comprehension. For those that have never received you before, in this moment, Lord, let them go from death to life. For those of us who've been walking with you, Lord, let us go from depth to a deeper place of depth. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all say this prayer out loud. Would you just say it? Everybody in the room in agreement with those who are making a decision to step forward in their faith and their relationship with the Lord, would you say it? Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you are alive. You're the Savior of the world. And I accept you're my Savior. Redeem me from the orphan spirit that I might be a son or daughter of God in the name of Jesus. Come on, just surrender to him in this moment. Lord, I believe you're taking us into a beautiful space of more meaningful conversation with a greater clarity greater certainty of hearing the voice of our Heavenly Father. Not the angry master we're trying to do all the religious duties to please, but a Heavenly Father who could not be more pleased with us than He already is because of what Jesus did regardless of what we've done. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your action point. We bring God's presence to real life. This is real life talk today. We bring God's presence, we experience God's presence, and we bring it into real life experience with Him. So, your God's presence to real life action point of the week, GP2RL. I want to ask you to rehearse John 14, 18 to 21, every single day this week. Every day. Just giving thanks to God, your Father, who heals restores and redeems is healing things that are going on deep in your heart and your mind even now he's massaging I just see the hand of God at work pouring oil the anointing oil of the Spirit of God going deep within our lives we just receive what he desires to do deep within you personally this week I will not leave you as an orphan I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. As you're praying this this week, think about it. He says he will come to you. He says you will see him. These are important phrases that we find in Scripture that transform us from the inside out. Because I live, you also will live. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. 
Lord, I thank you that you're awakening some things within us. And we just want to take a few moments, not just receive, but to bring something back to you, an expression of worship. We want to love, serve, and give as an expression of our worship to the Lord our God. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, as we just press in, we're just going to take a few moments in worship. Then I would encourage you, we, we do have our communion stations uh, back in the room. You can step back. We'll have communion all together at different times, but communion's at the back uh, in the center here if you want. During, as we just worship for a few more moments to receive communion. This might be a moment where you go and bring your tithe and your offering before the Lord. And you stop with that orphan mindset that says, I'm afraid my needs will not be met. But you step into a sonship, a son and daughter mindset that says, my father will take care. I will obey his word. Come on. He's trying to take us into these places of understanding, greater revelation. So giving stations at the back, communion there. Maybe just right where you are, you're just going to lift your hands, get on your knees, whatever you'd like. We're just going to take a few moments, but let's allow this part of our congregational assignment to really give something back to the Lord in our time of worship before we are dismissed.